Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Our youth group, G1, is now meeting Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Our Sunday morning worship service has moved to 10.30 a.m., both in person and online. We are asking that you would please RSVP for your children only by visiting our website, newhope365.church, and clicking the red button. And now, here is today's message. All right. So today we continue on in a, uh, a series on, on identity called Knowing You, Getting to Know Who You Are. And um, I have shared that uh, your identity, I mean, it's a big question. Who are you? Who are you? You know, if I was, I was, I was asking you, who are you? I mean, um, there's a lot of things that you could say. You could talk about growing up. You could talk about when you write your name down. And, and, and you could, you know, talk about, well, I'm married to so-and-so and all of that type of stuff. But at the core, none of those things are really who you are. Those are things that have happened to you or things that you've done or things that you've experienced. Who you are is really You. So when I come to you and I say, Zach, who are you? Really, the answer would be, I'm me. Right? And then who is you? Well, you were created in the image of God. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you were created in the image of God. And, 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 and so as you live in that image, the ways that we image God is through the things that we fill our minds with and the things that we grow to understand. And then our emotions, our, our head, our hearts, the emotions, and then our hands in which we serve, we image God through these things. So we see, we see that lived out so many different ways in culture, in our lives, and in our families. And then Apostle Paul knew that that identity thing would be a big deal for not only the churches he would write to in the, the first century culture, but he knew it would be a big deal for those that would later on hear about who you are. You're an image bearer of God. And so he writes Ephesians, which is, a, is really a book on identity and understanding that your identity is in Christ. If you're a Christian, your identity is in Christ, which so, so many of us, we, we're like, woo, thank you, Lord, because it could be that you're, you know, you're insecure because of your weight. It could be insecure because you don't make enough money. It could be insecure because you think, well, I just, I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. But here's the thing with God is God knew and God knows you. And he has actually crafted identity for you because in, in his image, you were created and now he's wanting you to walk and live in that identity. The question I have for you is, will you embrace this identity? Will you embrace this identity? Today, I'm going to uh, speak to something that is so, seems like it's so, 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 so basic in the kingdom of God. And so, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you go, well, why are we talking about this? Because it's like, I just knew that I was born. It's like I was born with it. I was raised in church, whatever. But not everybody gets this. But I pray that it will be a, I pray that it will be something that is a refresher for you. And that you will truly begin to live and walk in this identity. So today, we're talking about the new you. The new you. Okay? I mean, if, if isn't culture all about wanting new you know, we want new, we want the latest, we want the, the greatest, we want, we want something that smells new and looks new and all of that type of stuff. We want to look new and smell new and be new. You know, we want, we want to look as good as we possibly can. Say this, I am new. I am new. Say it one more time. Say it online. 
I am new. That is your identity in Christ. I am new is your identity. And it didn't, it, it may have started for some of you 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, I don't know however long ago it started for you, but at some point you were made new. And here's the amazing thing. And though your body is physically getting older and eroding as you sit here, it's a great thought, right? You're still new before God. You're still new before God. If that doesn't give us another reason to bring the worship team up here and like get our jiggity on, come on, you know what I'm saying? You're new. You go, well, I don't feel new. Well, in Christ Jesus, you are. So that's what we're going to look at. And, and so here we go. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Okay? Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. And here, what I, what I want to also bring awareness, I talked with somebody this last week, and you're, if you're following along with my notes, um, I actually often post last week's notes and this week's notes. So if, like Angel was following along with me last week, and she's like, I have no idea where you were going with anything that you were saying because she's following along in the Bible app. If you go to the Bible app, the version the Version Bible, I put my notes in there for you, and uh, I want to make sure that you're looking at the, the, the right one. Today, we're at week 11 on this topic of identity, and so week 11 is the one that you want to pull up, and, you, and when you go into the Bible app, just click on in, in, um, more, click on events, and then click on New Hope 365. Okay, so those of you online, you can do the same thing and look us up, New Hope 365. So Paul, Paul just got done before in, in the prior verses talking about your giftings. And last week I talked about gifts and I hope that some of you, I did talk with some of you this week going, some, somebody said to even me, I, I didn't know that I actually, I've never heard about this gift thing. And I'm like, what? You didn't know about this gift thing? I said, well, we're going to have to talk some more about this gift thing. And so Paul gets done talking about there are actual gifts that were given to you that you are actually gifted. God gives gifts, and he's more than likely uh, you have multiple gifts, and some of you have yet to understand and, and develop those gifts, but please continue to pursue that. Then Paul goes on after that and says, so I tell you this, and insist on it, on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So people wonder why there's a tension and struggle and frustration in in culture and in the world. It's because there are those that have hardened their hearts against God, though truth is being put in front of them, they choose to push it away. They're hardened by their own heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him, in accordance with the truth that is Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to do what? What were you taught to do? Put off the old self. Okay? Put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the what? To put on the new self. 
created to be like God, true, to, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so a story I have is about a gal named Lisa um, that was, she was raised in the church. Her dad actually was a pastor. I'm using a different name to just, you know, keep it secure there. But, but um, grew up, in, and then the family got hurt because of something that went on in the church. And she was young then when they left church, and they never really went back to be part of the body again, the body of the church. As time progressed, she began to find her identity in her body image. She began to seek out in the voids in her life, she began to seek out boys. Seems right, you know, seek see out boys, whatever. And before she knew it, she was being in, in this body cell. Guys noticed her for her attractiveness and her taking care of her body and all of that type of stuff. And guy after guy after guy after guy, she began to find her identity in those types of things. And as time progressed, she realized that there was some big gaping void in her life. It was like, I, I, I wasn't sure what it was. She goes, it had been a long time since we had really been back to church and, and all of that. And she went one Sunday with a friend. And at that time, she officially committed her life to Jesus Christ and came to faith in him. And in that moment, she switched from an identity in body image and boys to an identity as a condemned sinner, which were both lies. And so she then struggled with feelings of guilt and inadequacy, feeling like, wow, I gave my life to Jesus, but man, I am condemned, I am guilty, I am a sinner, I am whatever, and and it was at a spiritual retreat that she went with a group of like young adults in which she went and they were praying over the young adults. And, and it was through the prayers that she began to understand the whole gospel story. That she wasn't just a sinner condemned by God. She was once a sinner, now saved by grace, made new in Christ as a child of God. That's your identity if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. She wasn't just a sinner condemned by God. She was once a sinner, now saved by grace, made new in Christ as a child of God. And this God's grace thing, this newness, was a revelation from God. And that she was utterly transformed by the Holy Spirit. She was born again. It changed her identity. She was new. She was new. And how many of us here, if you've talked to people, maybe you've even thought this, that you go, well, this is how, this is, uh, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to this newness or whatever, people go and they say, ah, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear that you tell me that I need Jesus, that I need something in my life. I need something, but honestly, I'm good. I'm good enough, right? And so there are ways, in fact, even in this last week, that I've had conversations where people going, are you telling me that if so-and-so did this, that it is likely that potentially, or if they rejected this, that they would go to hell? I said, well, I'm not sending anybody to hell, but I'm saying what scripture has to say. But there are people in culture that go, what? Honestly, I'm, I may not be a great person, but I'm not as bad as that person. Have you ever, I mean, if we're honest, have you ever thought about that just in general? Like, you know, I mean, 
I have my moments as a dad, or I have my moments as a, you know, as a father, I, I have my moments as a husband, or I have my moments as a, a business person or whatever, but honestly, they're just low life. And so people justify their uh, lack of desire for God through those types of things. There's also other ways. Um, maybe you, if you are, have done something bad, then you go ahead and turn around and do something good, and it kind of balances it out. They ever thought that? It's like, whew, man, I, I swore this last week. So now I'm going to go and do like really nice things and say nice things to you. Or whatever it may be. And so people justify, I don't need God. I don't need this Jesus and salvation. Because I, I, I have kind of, I'm balancing it out and I'm, I'm good. There are those that go out and do social justice service. And I think social justice stuff is really good. But it was never enough to save you. It was never enough to transform you. Though it may be in those moments that you have an encounter with the risen Savior, but it's not that act that saves you. There's, there's, there's people that, you know, work hard at just keeping the rules. Um, and, and it's like, you just, how many of you were just, have been rule keepers in your life, if you're honest? Rule keepers, just rule keepers. And you just, you made it your life's calling to like, this is how it is. Not me. I mean, I, I mean from, from as a kid growing up, I remember just thinking, why is that? That's a stupid rule. That's a dumb rule. Oh, I don't like that rule. I remember going off to college and, and being like, I, they would tell you, you needed to sit here, you needed to do this. I'd be like, no, I don't. I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? It's so stupid. And, and even this day when I see stuff out in culture and people are debating over this and there's all this politics stuff going on, I'm going, you all are morons. I'm just thinking that. I'm just going, it's going in through my, through my mind. And of course, the Lord has to reel me back and so forth. But rules, this is how it is. You know who was an ultimate rule keeper? Paul. Paul in the Bible, he, I mean, he, this guy, this guy, I mean, he, he was pretty much the man that kept all the rules and justified himself by being obedient in God's sight. And then he, Philippians 3, 5 through 6 says this. And Paul writes, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I am a pure-blooded citizen. What did I say? Yeah, eight years old. That would be memorable, and we don't want that. (laughs) That would be trauma. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew. If there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And what was his point? Paul's point was he had a what? He had a perfect record. If there was a guy that had it together that you could look at and go, there's Mr. Perfection when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to religion, when it comes to all of that, I am good. Then Paul, so though Paul looked perfect on the outside, he declared his noble birth, his impeccable education, his tireless work, his clean lifestyle, his religious devotion to be garbage dung, poopy. He declared it filth. That's how disgusting in identity apart from Christ is. This is big. And this is big for you. This is big for me. This is big for people that you're going to come in contact with and growing to understand your identity. So Paul then explains with that how to live out our, our new identity. He says, repentance is explained in, in, in here. He, he lays it out. There's re- walk down this path and put off the old self. 
the old man, put on our new self, the new man. And that means practically we no longer think like we used to think, see like we used to see, we no longer do like we used to do, all of that type of stuff. How many of you have wrestled that though? You go, I, well, well, I struggle with the, some of the old patterns, the old ways, the struggles, the tensions, all of that. And so we're going to wrestle this down, continue to wrestle this down a little bit. So some of us feel this disconnectedness from Jesus because we're living in our old identity instead of having a new identity um, created in God in true righteousness and holiness. And the question comes, becomes, how do we put off our old self and put on our new self? So I'm going to ask you the question, how do you do that? How do you put off the old self and put on the new self? I'm just going to ask, just curious. And there's no right, nobody's laughing at you or making fun of you. I'm just curious. Anybody online, type it in. How do you put off the old self? Put on the new self. Renewing of your mind. Great. Let go of lies. Spending time, what? In the world, spending time in the word. Practical things. Anybody else? Keep on pursuing God. It's good. When you find yourself walking in the old ways, you intentionally kind of release that, yield that to Christ and kind of receive that new. It's really good. Yeah, those, for those, yeah, you release as you begin to find yourself walking in the old ways, you, you, you seek to release that and begin to walk in the new ways. The scripture talks about a few things, and, and this is what I want to wrestle down a little bit today, and maybe in, in the weeks to come, because this newness is huge. Um, there are three ways, as I've studied scripture, that help us walk in this newness and put off the old self and understand our identity. The external is justification through Jesus Christ. There is regeneration, which makes us internally new. And then there's the glorification that is eternally transformed and changed. This is you walking in your new identity. Walking in your new identity in Christ. So let's look at how we then put off the old self, put on the new self. And first of all is justification. Okay? And God is this holy king who works over what all creation and judges everyone according to his or her works. And Paul taught earlier in Ephesians when we looked at that and we read through that, that apart from Christ's forgiveness and righteousness, we are dead in our what? We're dead in our sins. Sons of disobedience, he says, by nature, children of wrath. (laughs) I mean, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants and promises of God, having no hope without God in the world, strangers. So then... How then can God justify us, declaring us righteous? How does he do that? How does God declare us righteous? By what Christ did. So, the Bible teaches that unjust sinners can be declared righteous in God's sight by being justified or obtaining justification. Get this. The legal term of justification made right is 222 times used in various forms throughout the New Testament. Over 222 times, it's kind of a big deal to God. 
And it refers to a double transaction whereby God takes away our sinful unrighteousness and through Jesus' substitutionary death in our place, what does he do? He takes away your unrighteousness through Jesus, right? And imputes to you righteousness in place of what? Unrighteousness. It's like I wouldn't do this, but it's like taking off all of a sudden, let's say Steve, you know, you got this really cool shirt on and you do, it's a pretty cool shirt. And all of a sudden I take this shirt off and I set it aside and I come and I put your shirt on. And now what I had on before, I don't look the same because now I have a green shirt on. What you had before was a sinful, sinful nature, a sinful um, eternality, all of that, that that the scripture talks about how he takes that away and places on you this cloak of righteousness for how God sees you that no longer are your sins what? Held against you and no longer are you judged and condemned eternally. This is big. You are new. Here's, let me read a couple scriptures to, to just back this up. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the right offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Okay, let me read one that you probably know well. I'm just reading it from the New Living Translation, Ephesians 2.8.9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's what? Remember, your identity is, I'm a masterpiece in Christ Jesus. You're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. He's created you new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So this, this taking off the old and putting on the new is called justification, and it's all about Jesus. His work, not ours, saves us, makes us new. So we trust for our justification. You, what do you do for your justification? You trust. It's like you come, and in faith, you believe it. You're not walking around going, oh man, I'm condemned today. Literally, the world could die of a pandemic and you could enter eternity. And here's the thing, you don't have to fear anything because you are new in Christ. So, we trust Jesus. Justification is something that happens externally from us. It's a legal transaction in the sight of God. And I know many of you have been taught this over the years if you've been in the church for any length of time. But this is stuff that we cannot miss in his good and it's is just solid. So it's a legal transaction, the sight of God for those whose faith is in Christ. And then now, the second thing of, of how you take off the old, you, you, you put on the new, and this is new self, is what is called regeneration. Regeneration. Wouldn't it be cool if you guys ever watch like Captain America or whatever, or somebody where all of a sudden you see this, you see the strength come in and he's like regenerated or I don't know if you've ever taken like HGH, human growth hormone or whatever, and you inject yourself with it and you're like feeling good and strong and powerful and whatever. Who wouldn't like that? You wake up in the morning and you're like, 
man, I feel like I could jump over this building right now. Or I could conquer, you know, whatever. We, you, you, we like those feelings. Here's the thing with God. Is he's in the process of regenerating you by his spirit. And he's wanting you to understand that if you're not feeling, if you're feeling like you're just, you have nothing going on inside, whatever, that there actually is a process in which he begins to transform you. The old and the new coming. It's called regeneration. And regeneration is the internal application of the external justification. Did you get that? Regeneration is the internal application of our external justification. And regeneration is the Holy Spirit's application of Jesus' work in us. And here's the great thing about that. You don't have what it takes in and of yourself. You need the Holy Spirit working in and through you to see this accomplished. It has to be. Because here's, here's what I know. That as a dog returns to its vomit, so to speak, aren't we in our humanness apt to go back to the old ways and the old patterns and the old struggles and the daily issues that we have? You know, because today you're sitting here going, oh, Lord, praise you, hallelujah. And you know when you leave here, when you go home or when you're driving in the car, you're making the phone call or whatever, you're like, I'm probably going to slip back into a pattern. I'm probably going to do that thing that I've done, and I don't know how to get over it, and I keep doing it, and it sucks. And Jesus is saying to you today, you don't have to. You do not have to go back. It is not by your own might nor by your own power. It is by the Holy Spirit from God that will help you to overcome. You are incapable of success in the spiritual realm and internally in your life without the Holy Spirit. And if you try to do it without the Holy Spirit, you will be practicing religion that is dead. And that's why so many in the church, and that's why so many churches, when you walk into, it's like a tire fire because everybody is striving and trying to do stuff on their own. And then you leave feeling condemned because you're like, oh, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. And even though we hear with our minds, we don't apply by the Spirit that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is big. And so, what do we do? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, this is, if you just want to know how it works with me, I get alone, and I just place my hands up. And I go, God, what made me angry yesterday is probably going to make me angry again today. The thought life, the pride, the stuff at the center and the core of who I am, this, these heart issues, I, I, God, I don't want it. I want it to go away. I don't want it anymore. But God, for some reason, when I put my hands down and I get up and I walk out, I start doing things that I don't want to do. And I'm back at it. 
And the only way you'll be able to do that is for your submission and the asking from God for the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. So I wonder who's striving in this room. I wonder who's striving online. Because regeneration has got to take place for you to finally, for me to finally live the life that God has called us to live. Regeneration has got to take place. So here, here's a few things. These are fundamental, life-altering things. There's, there's probably more that can, but I've, I've, I'm giving you a few here that I've studied over the years. And this is what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to regenerate Christians. You realize that you have a number one, a new birth. You have a new birth. You are to be born again is a new person with a new heart, a new nature, that at the deepest level you have a new identity and new passionate desires for God's word and will. And so how many of you, when you first gave your life to Jesus, were absolutely just passionately on fire for Jesus? It's on fire, man. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I gave my life to Jesus, I was probably 12 years old. And I mean, when I got saved, I'm like, I mean, I had an encounter with Jesus. My mom gave me a brand new Bible, and I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning at 12 years old and begin to read Scripture. Who does that at 12? That's not normal. You know what that was? That was the Holy Spirit from God working inside of me, doing the things that he wanted to do, and I was submitting to that to that, that to the Holy Spirit, and I began to read Scripture, and I would highlight and underline and circle, and I've still got that Bible to this day that's falling apart up on my shelf upstairs in my office. So what's happened? What's happened in your life, in this new birth? In which you go, there was a time. I mean, how about, how about I know like Steve, and I'm not, I'm not using you as an example in a negative way, but Steve is passionate about seeing people come to faith in Jesus. Dan's another one. Not that any of you aren't, but these, these are two friends of mine that truly want to see people transformed. And the Lord will guide Steve and take him to places and Dan, and, and they'll have conversations, and then oftentimes somebody might come to faith in Jesus Christ because of that connection. I want that every day. I want that every day. Don't you? And I don't want it to be that I'm like, oh, God. I'm walking into the grocery store. Please don't open my eyes to see anybody that hurts. <laughs> but you, God, would you just please just put blinders up so that when I, when I walk into the house today, if my kid has a need, I just don't want I don't have time. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, we're, if we're on, right, right? Okay, so, so we go about our lives and we get up in the morning and we go through our rituals and we brush our teeth and we, we comb our hair and we, we eat our breakfast and we go to work and whatever. And, and what I'm asking to you in the new birth is that what has happened from the time that you gave your life to Jesus to now, are you more passionate for the things of God in the kingdom of God and the advancement of his kingdom than you were then? And, and if you're like me, this is what I do. And I have found this in my personal prayer life as I'm like, okay, God, I am going to pray and I'm going to believe and you're going to transform my heart and I'm going to do all this. But I'm just telling you, I'm going to go and do this. But I promise you that most of the people aren't going to follow me. They're not going to follow me. And you know what the Lord says? You take care of yourself. You take care of yourself, and I'll take care of the rest.
But I love to, I, you, Jesus, I, I, I love people and I want to go out and feed them and help them and serve. I want to see people. But here's the deal. No one else is doing it. No one else is going with me. And, it's, and, and, and so therefore, I just, oh, I get so angry at people. And you know what the, the Lord has spoken to me? You're the one with the issue, Jason. And when you stop worrying, stop worrying about your siblings, and you allow my spirit to work in you, there will be people that will come along in time, but that's not your motive. Your motive is to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and be obedient to the calling for which I've given you. It's a new birth. It's something that the spirit of God is wanting to do in and, out, in and through us. You're born again as a new person with a new heart, new nature, at the deepest level, you have a new identity, new passionate desires. The change is so deep that the Bible, including Ephesians, uses the language of being born again. Jesus replied in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. People have even, I mean, this is, this is literally a new, a new birth. There are people that have taken this thing so seriously. I've actually met people, and I'll ask them what their name is, and they'll tell me their name. And I'm like, well, wait, I thought you were this. And they renamed themselves because they so didn't want to identify, identify with their old nature. I've often thought about that. I don't know if you've heard the old song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine, you know? And, and, and I often wonder, God, what is my name really in heaven in my new identity? What is that new name, you know? And, and, and maybe it's not a new, new name, but I know this. I'm new because of you, Jesus. And I'm in process. So, and then we illustrate the significance of regeneration and new birth um, through baptism. And I'm... I think baptism is such a powerful, powerful, powerful moment in which we, it shows the death, our, our, the reality of our death in Christ Jesus in resurrection coming up out of the waters and representing this new birth. Okay, I'm going to do... I'm going to do one more here and then I'll come back next week and, and, and hit on this identity of regeneration. Um, so you, you, you've been given a new birth. You also have a new Lord. Okay, a new Lord. Um, Satan and sin no longer dominate regenerated people. Instead, you're born again into a new life with God, who is our new Lord, who rules all over all of our life. And your new Lord loves, forgives, serves, gifts, hears, empowers and indwells you your new lord and your new lord defeated your old lord so you no longer have to believe his lies and and give into the temptation or to to uh save his mission you know he god god gives us this new lord through jesus christ and no longer are you having to uh follow the patterns in the in the ways that satan has taken us for so long and um and so the question i have for you is what's dominating your life what is dominating your life what do you need to break free from today What's dominating your life?
You're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's, I just, I got this little money issue. Or, it's not that big a deal. I, 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 I tend to, you know, think of myself a little bit better than, you know, but I just, it's not that big. I, I, I struggle to be kind. I, I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't whip out at people and say that, that, that's like snippety and, and out. I know whatever it may be, it's not that big a deal to which our heavenly father says, I laid it all down so that you could have a new Lord, that you could have a new birth and so that you don't have to continue in the old patterns and the old ways in which you lived your life. And so what is dominating you? I'm going to have you bow your head and close your eyes. We'll come back next week and we'll look at the new heart, the new creation, all the different things. And I'll continue to break down uh, even more Ephesians. Um, but bow your head and close your eyes. And um, those of you online, um, please join us as well. with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, is there anybody in this room or online that something has been dominating you and has given, you've given higher priority to than your heavenly father? And I'm not asking for you to show me your hand. I want you to just listen for a moment. And to surrender. And to go, God, I'm incapable of taking and surrendering this without your spirit helping me. Just ask him. Just ask him, Jesus. I pray over, God, your church today. I pray that, Lord Jesus, right now, you would transform our mind. But the only way that our minds are going to be transformed is by your spirit giving us the ability to pursue your ways, your plans, your purposes, your thoughts, O oh God. I cannot renew my mind in and of myself apart from you, Jesus. We're not capable of renewing anything. You're the only source that can renew, regenerate, transform. You're the only, you are the power source. And I pray today that you will release, Spirit of the living God, you will release this power over your church. Spirit of the living God, prepare us for release of your Holy Spirit fresh over our lives would you make us hungry for your things god in your ways and your purposes and your plans may god our heart beat like your heart beat may god that your heart become ours may your thoughts become our thoughts your ways our ways help us oh god to realize that this life is but a breath it's just a vapor and god that literally in these moments that we will not push back but we will surrender to you and god we will experience life and life abundantly because we serve a new lord master and we have been given a new birth we are being regenerated every day of our life. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to dive deeper, join Pastor Jason on Tuesday mornings at 11.30 for the TruthCast on Instagram Live. And of course, you can access our sermons, devotional series, and podcasts, as well as music and lesson videos for children and families right from the New Hope 365 app, available in any app store.